cold silence that we don't dare speak. There's a wall between us and a river so deep. We keep pretending that there's nothing wrong. There's a cold of silence and it can't go on. Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on the 8th of December 2008. Newcomers, look into CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com website and there's over 600 hours, I think, of talks I've given in the past which you can download at random and listen to at leisure and I try and give you the shortcuts to the reality, the real reality, not the one that's projected to you but the one that truly runs your, your life and most of your thoughts and even gives you ambitions, gives you careers, they give you your hobbies, they give you direction. And it, it's led really by people who say they, they're men of vision. That's a term they use over and over again. Also look into Alan Watt Sentinel.eu where you can download transcripts of these talks and print them up and pass them around to your friends. They're done in various languages of Europe. For those who listen, you keep me going. The show truly is brought to you by you. You keep me going by your donations and by buying the books and this I have for sale. And uh, believe you me, it really, really comes in handy because as, you, as we all know now, the dollar is plummeting, at least the purchasing power of it. And it's on cue, it's nothing to do with what the media tells you. You don't make mistakes at the top. It doesn't happen that way. Especially when they write about this happening many, many years ago, before I was born even, to tell us that we bring in a new economic system. We were living in it around this period. And we're on the verge of the Brave New World scenario. It's all around us. It's in the open, in fact, if we care to just even read the regular media. But it's not coming out by itself. It's being orchestrated on cue, on time. You know, whenever you come out with intelligence, that, that's news, that is real news, and often it's used by gathering news and giving you the, the background history of the topics to fill in what the media is not telling you. The media's job is to make you think everything's happening, as I say, by itself, willy-nilly, and governments just get into action and make treaties, etc., and deal with the major crisis. I fill in all the blank spots that the media doesn't tell you. And I did it, of course, with the disappearing mail, the fact that we're all being sterilized in the West, have been for 50 years. I pointed out the chemicals they've been using for it. I gave you the quotations for people like Bertrand Russell, like Charles Galton Darwin and others who talked about the necessity of basically effeminizing males because they were the main opposition to this brave new world that was all planned, this lovely flowery period we're all going through. And by effeminizing the males and taking their power away, even from the female, so that the female would have no respect for him whatsoever, therefore she would not follow him, then government could then direct the female and the male. Hitler said the same thing. He said, all our propaganda must be aimed at the female, bypassing, going over the head of the husband. She will come to us for protection and safety, as we promise, the male, 
the, the children will follow her and the male, the male, the man must follow the children. That's what he said. And he was quoting that in his time because they'd used that in Nero's time. It was said long ago, long before Hitler. And they never changed techniques which work very well. Since 9-11 happened in 2001, they've been on a roll, absolute roll, to kick off the real over-the-top conquest into this brave new world and turn our lives completely upside down. And I'm going to go into some of the history of this to show you how it all ties together. It's no coincidence after this break. I'm Alan Watt. We're back cutting through the matrix. I generally don't prepare my shows. I like to dwell on things a few minutes before, maybe half an hour before, and pull out some relevant articles, put them up, talk about. And I pulled a couple up, and I find with myself it sets off chain reactions because things follow like dominoes when you go back through your memory. And I was thinking about when 9-11 happened and I was on a show, I think that night in 2001, and I, I said to the host, I said, the hardest thing as we go through the following changes, the changes that will come out of this, the hardest thing will be to hold on to your sanity. And that's still true today. It's even more true because it's, it's going to accelerate as we go through this political correctness, this crazy period, a crazy period that was fine-tuned and tested in the Soviet bloc countries. And the reason it was tested out there and is now used in the West, it was because the dialectic was to be used, it was to amalgamate in the future. They always have thesis, antithesis, and synthesis at the end as the two opposing forces join. How you control nature, according to the old mystery religions, is by studying nature, the seasons, the opposites. And if you understand how opposites eventually come round and work together, that's during, for instance, seasons change to the next. There's an intermediary phase where they're both is part winter, it's part spring, spring's part summer, and so on. So they couch the language in this terminology of nature. What they meant was you can actually plan something is your outcome, your synthesis. But how do you get it? How do you kick off the game? You've got to put something out there to cause opposition. So you always take an opposite system or try and introduce it or an opposite stance on something and fund it so it becomes legitimate and powerful. And then the existing, the status quo will go against it. And then comes all the, ne the negotiations and the tete-a-tetes and then you have agreements reached. An agreement, remember, is a compromise. You cannot compromise on principles like this because if you do, you're walking backwards. Stalin said it too. He, he said three steps forward, two steps back. That's how they play the game. As long as it's that one step forward, it can hang on to. And then the next agreement, it's another step forward, not three, but one. Because he steps back two times, you see. 
then opponents don't really realize that they're, they're losing. And who funded the Soviet Union into existence? Uh, you'll find it was the Western bankers, but not by themselves. They were backed by the establishment that already ruled, the old establishment that ruled Europe and the United States of America. They were funded to the hilt. They were funded with their food right through the Cold War, right up until suddenly, magically, the Berlin Wall came down around the time that Lenin said it would. He didn't see the, the wall. He said, eventually, he says, the dictatorship will eventually merge or fade away. And communism will not be communism anymore. It will be an amalgamation of a sort of economic system or commerce with socialism. That's exactly what we've got. It's the third way. That's what they call it, the third way. And if you think you're seeing, for those who really can remember what communism was all about, or appeared to be all about, and who studied them, and their techniques and so on, they're all being used today through the think tanks, and by the think tanks, and through the massive foundations, incredible networks across the planet, right all the way to the United Nations. And they're all under the umbrella today of the United Nations. Who would have thought that particular, and why not all minorities, could have a fair say? Why certain branches of them not only get a say, but have their lifestyle promoted by big bucks across the whole culture creation industry, for instance? Why was that? And that's easy to see because anything that would go against what was called the old family system had to be destroyed. That's why. That's the reason why. Not because the ones at the top cared about this particular minority. There's lots of useful idiots out there who help bring in a system which they don't even really understand. This technique was used, was mentioned by Albert Pike and Mazzini, whom he trained. He called them the nihilists and the atheists. They talk about world revolution and how they would use the nihilists and the atheists. Nihilistic people were those who, who, who their own behavior would be destructive, even to themselves. But they would use them as front groups. And that has been done. In George Orwell's 1984, he goes into the whole world of political correctness, where as the culture rapidly changes according to the dictates from above, everyone must suddenly comply and parrot the political correct phrases and terminology, which may be 180 degrees from yesterday's political correctness. And you must all pretend you can't remember there was anything before that. We're having all of that forced upon us today. All of these techniques are forced upon us today. Remember that Russell, speaking on behalf of his own elite, and he was, I think, one of the third lords in his lineage and many other names before him, talked about the need that he thought and others thought of having to take the children from the parents for one generation so they could not be contaminated with the thoughts and morality and opinions 
and beliefs of the parents until he tried his own experimental schools and then he found out now with scientific indoctrination at kindergarten onwards of getting very young they could overcome that problem because they could actually teach the children to ignore their parents when they went back home at night it was more economically feasible that the parents at least pay for the upkeep of the children but the minds would belong to that of the state and Russell himself this lord British lord one of many were sent across to the to the pre the pre communist China to teach in universities the principles of communism. He wrote about it in his own memoirs. So here we have this elite, this ruling establishment that came out of the ancient Normans that came into to, to Europe and Britain. Bringing a new system which seemed to be its very opposite. In fact it was projected to the public as being the enemy of capitalism and the British system. Canada used to compete right up until recently with the states every year to see who could get the, the, the best deals to sell the grains to Russia, who could not afford to feed themselves. We live in a system where food is a weapon. We starved the Iraqis to their knees during the two Gulf Wars. We killed millions by starvation and embargoes under the directions of the United Nations. We did it with many other countries too, but they did not do that. To just, no, they made sure the Soviet system was fed. Why? Why would you do that if that was your main enemy? That supposedly, in the propaganda, was going to destroy the existing system and rulership of those countries of the West. Why would you feed your enemy? And then we have the Norman Dodds inquiry of the Rees Commission who was told by the heads of foundations in the United States remember Dodds was sent out by the Senate to investigate these, these foundations he was told their function was to bring and blend the Soviet system seamlessly with that of the West and that, that inquiry I think was back in the 1960s early 60s have to check up on that Therefore, everything that happens in a major way is planned that way. It's planned completely that way. I have a, a letter here. It was, it was by someone in Canada who lived, he was brought up in the Soviet system, the hardline Soviet system. And he says, I, I, was, I read your talk from the script of January the 28th, 2008. And he says, scary how they almost openly told us the agenda in communism. Tomorrow all the world will be international. These are the slogans and so on. Man conquers nature. Scientific socialism. Develop a new socialist human type. And that's true. There's a book it's called The Cog and Machine, Machine, I think it was called. Throughout the Soviet Union. It was also published here. Where the authors uh, said to be a, a, a homo uh, sovieticus. They called the, the character they're going to create. Because they believe in Darwinism and that man's an animal. And literally, you can train them to believe and do and behave in any way you wish with scientific uh, techniques. Same as Russell, you say. It says, wind brings a new world from the east. Freedom is the realization that one must comply. Right out of George Orwell. Eh? Freedom is the realization that one must comply. Family and state die away. Free sex, children taken into the care of the state. 
dialectic materialism, the fighting of the opposites. They talked about these in schools in the country, town where I went to primary school. And here we are. It's been forced down our throats. Not just from the foundations who've been working at this for a long, long, long time with all their non-governmental organizations, but by governments openly now. All through treaties they sign at the United Nations. And we're in for a roller coaster ride. And I might talk about this more when I come back from this break. I'm Alan Watt. We're cutting through the matrix, tying together some loose ends. And there's so many of them, because the media's job is not to tell you what's really behind something, but rather to get you rolling along a different direction by exposing part of a truth. As I talked about the disappearing mail earlier, they've come out now, and well, I was wondering why I would let this information that myself and other people have been harping about for years, knowing the, the estrogens, the artificial estrogens that were in the, the food from even prenatal times attacking the male, which they've known for 50 years, why would they come out and admit it now? Well, they come out now and they're saying, well, see, pollution's causing it. Well, why, why that particular pollution and how was it mandated to get into the food because it was mandated to get into the food it's like melamine look at the melamine scare the stuff that was killing the children in china putting their milk products as, as found in the west as well and the excuse is that the fda approved it plastic bulk is what it is put into the food because it gives bulk to the baby's food. Rather than putting good nutrients, etc., let's put in this plastic stuff that mimics estrogen. And the reason they did it, and this is how they wangle everything at the top, is through science, because through science you can wangle it any way you want. They said, well, see, the, the melamine, this, this byproduct really is, is, is formed like a protein, so we'll put it under a protein. Melamine is what's on your kitchen countertop, for those who want to know. So the media's job is not to give you the reasons why or behind, and as I say, I've gone into the reasons why when they talked about they'd have to effeminize the male and attack basically the hormones at the root level, literally. And they do it by attacking the male in the womb through the makeup, as in the makeup, all these artificial estrogens. It causes all the problems with the the genital growth, it retards genital growth, in fact. Physical defects in a good majority of young males today are evident, and they knew this before they put it in the food. It didn't blow across with some smoke into the food. It was put in to the food. So let's blast their argument out of the water. The evidence is there, and I've talked about it before. And getting back to the Soviet system, when the UN, as I say, had no problems putting embargoes in every country that they target and starving them to death. No problems when the UN ambassador to the US or the US ambassador to the UN 
Madeleine Albright, whose grandfather started up, by the way, the Green Party. And he was a top man in the communist system. When she said, but she, but she think it was a bit over drastic killing so many people and children and women in Iraq by an embargo. And she says, not at all. I think at that time it was, about, it was about half a million. That was, and that was nothing to her. It's been millions since. Because it didn't starve them. Once they, once the Gulf War II, they literally flattened all the infrastructure, which means your ability to get water out of the ground, all your wells, all your little factories for food and so on. They even blew up the babies' food factories, ensuring mass death of infants. And they tongue-in-cheek laughed at the cameras when they said, yes, well, we thought it was a, we thought it was really a chemical plant. It was world known, this little place that made the, the food formulas. But the UN was caught in a scandal then because the head of the UN at that time, his son was doing the oil for food bargaining under the counter. But of course, the boss didn't know, he says. He didn't know, his daddy didn't know. Utter crooks and criminals. Oh, it's just astonishing. Food, why would you feed your enemies though? If they truly were, why they go through a whole cold war and have the children practicing under the tables to protect themselves during a nuclear blast? They make sure they were terrified and that this cold war was real. Then you find that Bertrand Russell was head of the Committee of 100 in a biography written about him. What was that? That was the radical wing of the anti-war movements. You'll see these guys run always with two systems. The one that gets up in front of the cameras is the political body. There's demonstrations, quiet, peaceful matches, but they also have the radical wings. Do all the dirty work. That's how they always work. And here's Bertrand Russell, Lord Bertrand Russell, who's a member, it's now declassified, he was a member of MI6, running the anti-war establishment. Eh? See, there was no Cold War. It was all an utter farce. Utter farce. The whole Soviet system was set up to amalgamate dozens of small countries with their different cultures, languages, and systems of operating. Religions and all the rest of it. In the fastest, shortest time possible. By standardizing one system through them all by force. And then teaching the same stuff through school for one generation until it was firmly in place. The same technique that UNESCO uses today, they're the first ones in, to start training the first generation of children in the supposed enemy countries who will be democratic. This democratic elastic system that we live in is constantly being updated on things you can say and cannot say and think and do and all the rest of it. It's all or nothing in this system. You believe it all, swore it all, or nothing at all. You can't hold any separate opinions if you want to join it. Back with more after this break. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Because you can handle the truth. Hi, 
incredible sound work. We're cutting through the matrix tying up some loose ends to give you the real and the big picture behind what's really going on. It has been your whole life long and before you were born and your parents too. Food is power. Food has always been power. You can have all the money in the world. You can't get food, you die. Basic necessities. Food, water, shelter, warmth, and so on. All those things are taken away from you, or the right to them, the right to private property is disappearing fast. They've been destroying localized farms for years and years, from the top down, from the government. And the oil companies, in collusion with governments, have control over your oil for heating, or gas, natural gas, and so on. But believe you me, food, and the water too, is to be taken away. All the, you can't have private water rights anymore. The United Nations is in charge of them. Here's a statement by someone at the top of the World Food Programme for the United Nations. At the World Food Programme, we have recognised what a valuable tool food aid can be in changing behaviour. In so many poorer countries, food is money. Food is power. Yes, it's bribery. We don't apologise for that. That was Catherine Bertini, Executive Director of the World Food Programme. Here's another one from someone from the Green Party in Germany. We in the Green Movement, remember I mentioned before too, it says that uh, Miss Albright's, I think it was her father or grandfather, was the one sent out to start up the Green Party. How would you get the colour green? Well, what do you think about that? It says, we in the Green Movement aspire to a cultural model in which killing a forest will be considered more contemptible and more criminal than the sale of a six-year-old or six-year-old children to Asian brothels. That's by Carl Emery, German Greens. Now flash back to to Maurice Strong, the frontman for Rockefeller, and also a guy at the top of the United Nations in many, many branches. He has many hats who brought forth the, the big resolution on sustainable development and stated at the time that all these other trees and plants and so on, even viruses will be given rights. And it sounds absolutely nuts to the majority of the public. That's what I'm talking about. When you go into this, you'll think you're going nuts. You've got to have, hold on to your sanity. And you do it by understanding always what's coming next. So it doesn't shock you. And he did the Rio Earth Summit and all the updates since then of that particular meeting. Every country passed that into law. Most of these things don't even go through any parliament or congress. It is passed into law by every country. that signs the treaties, they call them. This article ties in with this. And it's from News Corporation. This is a weekly standard, by the weekly standard. And the date on this one, I just wrote at the bottom in the top. The date on it is 
Carter the Twelfth, two thousand and eight, volume zero one three, issue thirty three. Since you just knew it was coming at the request of the Swiss government, an ethics panel has weighed in on the dignity of plants. No pinned that or pined that the arbitrary, the arbitrary killing of flora is morally wrong. This is no hoax. The concept of what we call could be called a plant right is being seriously debated. A few years ago, the Swiss added to their national constitution a provision requiring account to be taken of the dignity of creation when handling animals, plants, and other organisms. No one knew exactly what it meant, so they asked the Swiss Federal Ethics Committee on Non-Human Biotechnology to figure it out. The report resulted in this. The dignity of living beings with regard to plants is enough to short-circuit the brain. A clear majority of the panel adopted what is called a biocentric moral view, meaning that living organisms should be considered morally for their own sake because they are alive. Thus, the panel determined that we cannot claim absolute ownership over plants and, moreover, that individual plants have an inherent worth. This means that we may not use them just as we please, even if the plant community is not in danger, or if our actions do not endanger the species, or if we are not acting arbitrarily. Then it offers an illustration to do with a farmer unwittingly decapitating some wildflowers with his scythe. And they actually had an argument about the rights and wrongs of that. But this also gets into the rights of organisms much, much lower on the food chain and into the, the realm of bacterium and so on and so on. Where do you think all this comes from? Go back to the Rio Air Summit. Mr. Morris Strong told someone who went there, and I have the tape of it, when he was asked about the public rights of humans, and Mr. Strong said, you wish at the end of this that you had the same rights as a tree. No kidding. No kidding at all. And this is the part of the insanity you'll have to warp your mind around. And always hang on to what you really know, just like Winston did in 1984. And know what they want to hear, and know what you still think. Keep them separate at all times. You want to hang on to your sanity, because they're after it. Big time. Now, we'll go to John in Ohio. Are you there, John, on the telephone? Hi, Alan. Hello. I was wondering what your... Um, well, I heard you say that you, you would not want to be uh, stuck in the Americas... Uh, when the uh, proverbial stuff hits the fan, yeah. and I'm just wondering what you're, whether you see any real resistance coming out of, uh, say, South America with Chavez and Venezuela, or is that just another Castro um, sort of writ large? You understand the, the, the scope of what we're talking about is the is the size of this world organization that already runs the world, really. And they have every country. They, they can literally bring any country at all to its knees completely, if they so wish. Uh, there, there's Ireland there. Ireland re- refused to just go along with this, this uh, particular uh, EU uh, agreement and give up a lot more of their sovereignty and so on. And Ireland, after the, this economic crash, where it really thudded big time, American banks have moved in. But the main holdouts were the farming community. The farming community has just been hit with the worst disaster just recently and the biggest recall of meat products ever. Thousands of tons of this stuff across the world. 
which is going to bankrupt them. You can't go against this world system because they own the system. And what they gave for excuse was it may, the food may have been contaminated, uh, not the farmer's fault, but the pellets that they were sold to feed to the, to the animals were con- could have been contaminated with a particular product. Right. And so they get you one way or another. They'll get you on your back. So no one really, to be honest with you, can stand out against this totalitarian world system. It's too powerful as far as economics goes. It's too, they own the media of the world. They own the intelligence services. They're all amalgamated. And this would only stop if individuals themselves stopped complying right now with every ridiculous law that's coming down the pike. And so no matter where you're at, you pretty much have to take responsibility for your own necessities. You must do. Whether it's North America, South America, anywhere. Latin America, look at the wars they've fought in Latin America the quiet wars uh, from El Salvador and all the other countries. For years they were down there with special forces. Oh, they Uh, were in Nicaragua in the 1920s. People don't even realize. Yeah, and even before that. Mm -hmm. Even before that, you know, they went into all these different countries. I mean, come on, Castro even in Cuba. (laughs) It's a joke. He was put in there by the CIA. Who then claimed they had no idea he was a communist. (laughs) I mean, this is all a joke. It was a joke. The Bronfmans who bribed their way right through Parliament and the U.S. Congress to get all their, their, their booze through during the Prohibition period had a cruise ship that did nothing but transport booze back and forth between Canada and the States via Cuba. And, uh-huh. uh, I mean, Cuba's always been used, even before the revolution, for smuggling stuff and on behalf of the elites. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. everything is just astonishing how they can get away with it, but it's only by keeping the public in complete ignorance. That's how you do it. Yeah. Yeah. Of reality. Sure. So if you, if you try to use standard methods to stop this system, you will. See, they're at war with the whole planet. They're at war for the mind of every single individual. Every thought that you have will have to be politically correct. I was looking at the United Nations organizations. Do you understand when you are allowed into the umbrella as any kind of NGO of the UN, you must agree to all of its dictates and all of its mandates, all of its political correctness. You can't say, well, I agree with this part here, I agree that that's, people should have this, but I can't go along. You can't have any private opinion. You must go along with the whole agenda. And that's why when you look at any part of this interlocked system, this massive para-governmental organization, with thousands of NGOs, regardless of what they claim they stand for, they'll all have the same slogans, they'll all agree on all of the same political correct terms and opinions and so on. They have no differentiation whatsoever in opinions. So under, under the term of all exclusiveness, they're forbidding you to have any private opinions. They're the most intolerant organization the world has ever seen. Yeah. I feel like uh, spending some time in uh, South American countries, at least the, uh, the peasantry, I guess you would call it, the peasants, yeah. at least have a more awareness, and they will get out in the streets and they'll uh, march on the, uh, the capital yes. and the president will have to leave. Uh, yeah. You know, you don't get any sense of that in North America where I'm at now. No, uh, the, uh, North America is gone, yeah. 
I'm sorry. America has gone. There's no doubt about it. The, yeah. the, the work, the psychological work that's been done, the indoctrination that's from, from kindergarten through all media, cartoons, everything. Oh, yeah, it's so much more extensive uh, here. Yeah, the it Soviet feels like we're system. a little bit closer to the big stick is what I've yes. come to uh, term it. Yeah. Being and in the physical attacks with, with the food, the chemicals, yeah. the inoculations, we've been, we've, we're, we're pretty well on the floor. Yeah. 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 So, well, thanks so much, Alan. Yeah, thanks for calling. Uh, we've got Maggie from Texas there. Are you there, Maggie? Hello. Uh, <coughs> hello, Alan. Um, How are you doing? I, I'm fine. How are you? Not bad. This isn't what I called about, but as I was listening to this uh, last caller talking about uh, South and Central America, a picture that I took of a uh, a peasant child in Honduras about 15 years ago suddenly popped off the wall. Mm-hmm. It just jumped right off. That reminds me of a, uh, a story that Jung once told. Um, what I called you about, though, uh, I have two questions. They are related. Uh, one is uh, the disappearing male seems to have disappeared from the Internet, and I was wondering if you knew how it yeah. could be found. On my website, there's an alternate a link oh. that takes you takes you to the one that's up. It's had eleven thousand downloads. I've heard. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, the CBC pulled it because of my commentaries. I shot yeah. holes in it. Yeah, that's what I figured. Um, the second, um, I would like to know your take on the recent news um, announced with great fanfare as a triumph for American food uh, that. Um, uh, BGH, uh, the bovine growth hormone milk, is being pulled from uh, American brands to the extent that Monsanto had to sell the, uh, actually had to sell that division, which was quickly snapped up by Eli Lilly for just a few hundred million. Uh, what yeah. is your take on that? Well, you see, all of this is, far, I call it pharma engineering. Pharma. See, this, this is literally chemical and biological warfare. The whole purpose was nothing for the cattle or, or just uh, making more milk and so on. And, and we all know how, how bad it's been for the cows. I mean, they've they're constantly got infections in the teeth and all the rest of it. They're constantly producing milk, overproducing milk. Uh, but what it's doing is altering. Within the cows today, we are bringing in the extra estrogen as well. Uh, so this is literally uh, bio-warfare on the public. So I'm not surprised that Lily would buy it up, that they're in that, that business. Uh, but is it actually being taken out of American products? That seems very, very hard to believe. And oh, I would, I would take it with a, a big pinch of salt. Yeah. Yeah, because we certainly can't seem to get rid of uh, GMO corn. No, and that's mandated. Every government has agreed that we must go GMO even more so than we are now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Okay. Well, thank you, Alan. Thank you. Yeah, nothing will be given to the public for their benefit. They don't go through all this incredible work. To, they never change their tactics. They never, they never stand back and say, we're sorry. This, you know, uh, they simply uh, hide it a little bit more or, or obfuscate it until you can't really figure out what they're doing. And then you'll find that years later they're still doing the same darn thing. Now, there's uh, Sam from Sydney on the line. Are you there, Sam? Hey, Alan. How, How are you doing? You? Not so bad. I've got oh, three or four feet of snow here already. <laughs> yeah. Oh, gee. Yeah. Um, Mate, uh, it was interesting, uh, you talked about food and the UN earlier on. We had a scandal here a couple of years ago 
under the former government called the AWB scandal, Australian Wheat Board scandal. I don't know if you've heard about it. Yeah. But uh, basically, uh, the Australian Wheat Board was a government agency which, uh, well, it was called something else, but uh, it became the Australian Wheat Board. Single death policy, basically all the wheat growers had to go through this one government agency and it basically had to negotiate um, uh, wheat prices for all the Australian farmers. Yeah. Now, one of the things people that... Uh, they were selling wheat to was uh, Saddam Hussein um, under the uh, Oil for Food Program. Um, And it came out years later um, that uh, Australia, Australian wheat farmers, um, were probably one of the biggest um, uh, contributors to kickbacks to Saddam Hussein. That's $290 million that went to Saddam Hussein's regime. Mm -hmm. And what's interesting is that this was, they were still dealing with Saddam Hussein like basically a month before, a month before they were about to go in and attack him. So let me get this straight. The Australian government's giving money, well, sorry, this wheat board is giving money to Saddam Hussein. Mm-hmm. Um, our foreign minister actually signed off on something. Of course, he said later on, oh, well, I find many, many things that go on. I don't read everything. That was yeah. <laughs> All these guys got called into uh, an, a, like an inquiry, a royal commission, with very, very narrow terms, um, so literally impossible to, to actually recommend you know, prosecuting any member of the government. Uh, all these guys turned up had very strange, you know, weird sort of memories sort of lost. Oh, they, they have that. But it's I'm a not... common feature. Hold on and we'll come back after this break here. and we have Sam on the line from Sydney, Australia, talking about the Australian government's involvement, the Australian Wheat Board at least, which is a government department with the food for oil scandal that racked Iraq at least when they were literally doing this under-the-table deal with Hussein for getting his oil out in return for food. And it, was, it came out at the time too that um, I think it was Boutrous Galley's son was uh, the guy in charge of the whole operation, and he was filling his pockets mightily at that time. This wonderful United Nations organization, and Butras said, "Oh, he, he was just oblivious to it. He wasn't sure what his son was up to." Was, so, was but, it Butras or was it Kofi Annan? I, I can't remember. I think yeah, Kofi Annan. I get mixed up with them all. You see, they're, they're yeah, just yeah. front men themselves. Yeah, yeah. They're yeah, all front men. Let me get this right. So our country, like, you know, with, you know, other Western countries, yeah. ordered this um, basically a medieval siege mm. against the country of Iraq. It went from this secular, you know, nation with a lot, you know, basically a good standard of living. Yeah. We killed, what, was it half a million children? Um, that was in the initial phases, but then they've now come up and said it was over a million and a half women children, yeah. Right, right. So John Pilger reports on this. Uh, our government supports it. And then, and then they work out a way to make money from that. That's right. That is just, it's just incredibly disgusting. But they, that's they, what we've got here. And then, they go into, yeah. and then they go criminal. 200 oh, yeah. million, 290 million bucks to Saddam mm-hmm. Hussein under the table. These guys driving around, these heads of this, this, this board driving around with yeah. you know, suitcases full of cash. 
Yep. Um, if this is this is known by the Australian government. There's, there's signed documents by the foreign minister. He he claims that you know he signed many documents, of course, and that's obviously yes. good enough for for most people. And then they send in Australian troops to fight against a dictator. <laughs> yep. Who obviously, use that money. <laughs> yeah, you got it. Against their own troops. I mean, I mean, do these people have any idea of what it means to be patriotic? These are the guys that are in charge of it. That's, yes. that's, that's, that's blatant. That's, that's right there. No government guy mm-hmm. has been sent to prison. And, I mean, you, you've seen... It won't happen. Yeah, it, won't, it, won't, it will never happen. Okay. Yeah. Well, happen. obviously, you know, there's a new government in and everyone's sort of preoccupied by this in, entire, you know, global sort of money crisis. Yeah, yeah. But where does it go? I mean, you know, I, I, I remember, you know, a, a, a friend of mine, who, who had lots and lots of shares and stuff like that. I remember asking her years ago after the dot-com crash, I said, well, where does this money go? Mm-hmm. And her, her pat reply was, well, it goes to money he- heaven, Sam. Money heaven. <laughs> yes. I mean, I think that's, that's how most people think. I mean, it's like there's $290 million gone to Saddam Hussein. That, that's what's come out. The sure. five bullets fire yeah. against Western troops. We've gone in, we start half, you know, we've, we've basically starved the children to death mm-hmm. in that country. We've created conditions where people have uh, 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 got disease. Now we've gone in, this is even before we went in, Gulf War II. Yeah. Now we've gone in, they're quibbling over, you know, whether it's a hundred, you know, it's in the hundreds of thousands or it's 1.3 million. Yeah. I mean, as yeah. you say, it's hard to keep your sanity because, I mean, listen, like, you, like the decent person would say, you just killed hundreds of thousands of people. That's the end of argument. That's that's, that's, that's that, horrible. That, I know. Well, that's what we're putting up with. We've got a bunch of crooks at the top. The top psychopaths run the show. And we are along for the ride. And it's not a pleasure. And they do it in front of our faces, and then they get away with it. I know. Amazing. But for myself and Hamish from uh, very snowy Canada, it's good night. And your God or your God, let's go with you.